You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Host Pete Rogers joined, as always, by Jess Clark Barnes and Jordan Smith. Guys, how are you? Doing just hello, fine, hello. Pete. It's a delightful week 13 that we just sat through. We are just on the cusp, the cusp of uh, the fantasy playoffs for everyone now. Either you've just started or, like me, you are just about to come upon the first week of the fantasy playoffs, the first week in which I will be fighting for my life not to lose the league that I care about and not to have to do something stupid. But maybe most of us out there are a little more uh, a little more successful than I am when it comes to leagues that you care about. But, uh, you know, so be it. Every year, a different year, a different uh, um, final standing, as it were. Yeah, I'm with you, Pete. Uh, really hoping this Gronk suspension gets overturned purely for fantasy matters. Gonna need his help to get out of the first gonna, year. Gonna need some uh, big output by the Gronk Master. Yes, and of course, we have so much breaking news at the top of the show. We will, of course, be talking about the Week 13, all the Week 13 action. But um, before the show is post-Week 13, before the show even started, so much news has gone down. Uh, as Clark alluded to, Gronk. Uh, has been suspended for one week uh, for his altercation with uh, Bill's cornerback, Ladarius White, which uh, stick around. I'll be, we'll be talking about that when we recap that game. Um, But quick synopsis, it was the right call, right move by the NFL. I know fantasy minds out there will want Clark, uh, will want uh, Gronk back for their first week of playoffs, but uh, the NFL, NFL did it right this time, I'd say. Yeah, I think he deserves it for the act. I think that since he has never done something like this before, it should be overturned. Um, but really cheap shot. Really. really so cheap so shot. if it doesn't get overturned, that, that's fine. I'll suffer losing in the fantasy playoffs for the NFL to be a little bit better place. That's assault, brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. Uh, also in the news, uh, Ben McAdoo. Or should I say, Ben Macca did not do a good job at his job, uh, got fired. The Giants finally wised up to the fact that it was not Eli that was their issue. It was their head coach and GM, whose name escapes me, but also got fired. Something Reese, right? Jerry Reese. There it is. That's why we have Jordan around on the Mondays. Uh, there was Which, just a lot of bad Ben and Jerry jokes on the internet today. So. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of good puns in there, like Macca don't Reese's pieces. How uh, will we rebuild the Giants? Like the New York Post guys are probably getting to bed early tonight because their job was done for them. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, you know the the Giants have stooped to a new low. If you are uh, uh, the most dysfunctional team in New York, yeah, it's not a good look for the Giants, especially when they have such a well-paid defense that played really well last year and they made the playoffs and I don't know. It's just, it's a bad look all around in New York. They need to get a little fresh start there with a new coach. Yep. Get your poop together, New York. And talk about daylight and a dollar short. After you break someone's 14 year streak, right. who gives a frick <laughs> if he starts the next game, you know, Eli doesn't, I mean, you know, he's going to go out there and right. ball because he's, he seems like he's an professional. adult, you know, but, too late, guys. Little, too late. Too little, too late. Uh, and, of course, we'll be tackling. I'm sure we will be going into depth on both of these topics when we approach uh, their respective games. But to start, let's go over, as we do every Monday, our Week 13 You Help No One nominees. Um, again, a most coveted award that we give to those few fantasy players uh, 
who helped the least number of people with their performances. And this week's nominees, we have two Patriots, which is upsetting for me as a Patriots fan to say. Uh, Thomas Brady, who put together a, a pretty pretty subpar performance, 258 yards and an interception against the Bills. Yuck. We have Peyton Barber, Clark's boy, going again, building off of a, a two-touchdown game last week with 23 attempts, 102 yards, and adding four receptions for 41 yards. He's gotten his chance, Clark, and he's running with it, literally. Spicy. Maybe that guy that you run out to the way bar and pick up this week. More on that later. Spicy, spicy, spicy. Uh, Patriots receiver Brandon Cooks, who had two receptions for 17 yards. Ryan Grant, receiver for the team in Washington, who had five receptions for 76 yards and a touchdown. And finally, the final nominee for You Helped No One Week 13. He's back, you guys. After winning the title last week, Jordan Howard is back to reclaim and go back-to-back weeks of helping no one. Uh, Jordan Howard racking up a meager 38 yards on 13 attempts and one reception for minus five yards. So... Oh, gosh. After thinking that he was going to bounce back against the 49ers defense, that did not pan out at all as I expected. Clark, uh, give us your nominee for this week's You Helped No One. I went with Jordan Howard again uh, just because I keep expecting him to bounce back. It just fell this way in drafts that I didn't end up with him anywhere, so I've luckily avoided all of this. But I thought he was good, and each week we talk about it, I'm like, yeah, he's going to bounce back and he'll do fine. And I know that's what everybody else thinks too. So I know he's in lineups and putting up these performances. So that's in my truly... lineup and put up this performance. It was awful. So that's how you help no one. Like if someone's on your bench and doesn't do well, or some guy comes out of nowhere and scores a bunch of points, in my opinion, like, eh. But if you started him and he got you know, 1.6, oh, that's rough. <sighs> that's hard. It's hard. Uh, Jordan, how about you? Who is your nominee for this week? Yeah, I have more thoughts on Jordan Howard when we get to that game, but I think I'm just going to go with Brandon Cooks uh, because that's a really rough one to only get two catches for 70 yards. You can kind of tie that to Tom Brady as well because the talk all last week was pretty much uh, watch out for Tom Brady and the Brandon Cooks tandem because they're really starting to click, and then they just both dropped goose eggs. Tom Brady helped me this week, though, because – he was on my opponent's team, so I'm going Brandon Cooks by default. So, yeah, so you you were actually helped by the Brady performance. Uh, funny enough, faketeams.com, where you can go vote for this prestigious award. Brandon Cooks is leading the polls, um, which I was surprised by because Tom Brady people. I mean, I understand Brandon Cooks. Most anyone who ever has him will start him. But Tom Brady, every single person who has Tom Brady will start Tom Brady. There's not a single team that has Tom Brady that you're like, eh, I'm going to bench him. Uh so, yeah, maybe you played against him and he helped you, but that was just that's just a pitiful. Anytime your quarterback gets you single digit, I'm taking that as a, as a major letdown and, and someone who who helped no one. So sadly, I have to give the award this week to uh, to Thomas Brady, especially when they're playing a reeling Buffalo Bills. Team. Yeah, like that matchup looked juicy. Yeah. And Burkhead, all the touchdowns are belong to Rex. You just got all the all. touchdowns. You know what? Why even walk around the bush? Beat around the bush. Go right into the bush. We'll start the 13 recap with this Patriots-Bills game. And the winner is Clark, like you were just talking about. Sexy Rexy Burkhead. He's now scored four touchdowns in the last two games. Two this week on the ground. The week before, one on the ground, one in the air. Uh, The Patriots clearly love this guy. He is become their goal line back simply because of two things. One, because he is a bigger back and has the power to be able to run it around the goal lines, run between the tackles. But more importantly is that he has phenomenal catching ability. And so they love to, you know, be able to line him up in the backfield and send him out in motion, put him out on the side, get him one-on-one with a linebacker. And it's just a quick little ISO move uh, and you're open for the easy touchdown. So, when many people thought that this goal line role was going to go to Mike Gillisley, which we all thought because against Kansas City in week one, Gillisley had three touchdowns. Now where are you, Gillisley? You're gone. Rex Burkhead has taken over that role and has become the Patriots' uh, seemingly goal line back and also touches all over the field. So uh, a big win for Sexy Rexy owners. Loser, of course, is Gronk. If he if his antics on the field had not occurred, I probably would have had him a winner considering he went nine for uh, 147 yards. Uh, but it was the late hit on the Darius White that made him a loser. And 
a Patriots fan and as someone who watches Gronk a lot, uh, I understand. And a lot of people said this, a lot of uh, football heads were talking about this because obviously this is a hot but topic, but I understand the frustration, which Gronk alluded to uh, when he apologized after the game to the Ladarius White. Uh, he is someone, and a lot of people have compared this. I'm not the first to make this comparison as how Gronk is officiated, but he reminds me a lot of Shaq in the sense that the NBA didn't know how to officiate Shaq. The NFL doesn't know how to officiate uh, Gronk as well. Like He seems to get called for a lot of offensive pass interference. He gets held a lot and kind of get bumped way down the line, which isn't get, get, doesn't get called just because he's such a big human uh, that it doesn't really affect him, but it does. Anyways, um, so I understand the frustration, but there's no there's no reason to, to basically uh, let that frustration out in the way that he did, which was lowering the shoulder right into Ladarius White's head while White was on the ground after intercepting Brady, uh, gave him a concussion, which... You know, and a lot of people have said this too, like if it was uh, a hit at the knees, if it was a visible injury, like an injury that we can see like a torn ACL or a broken arm, something like that, you know, I feel maybe people would have been less pro Gronk, if that makes sense. But a concussion still just as serious as, as anything else, especially with the NFL's recent uh, kind of work towards CTE and, and actually trying to help protect the brains. But the one game suspension, at least in my mind, is the right call. It's no, this is no place in the NFL, and it was just a, a real, real dumb move by Gronk. Yeah, the most pro Gronk thing I saw is kind of what you've alluded to: of I can understand, but, and then I've also right. seen some people who had a similar take of mine is, you know, he should be suspended, but since he hasn't done something like this, I'd be surprised if he doesn't win. But fortunately, I haven't seen anyone, and I don't read the comments, so. It's pretty They're good. Probably for my internet but I haven't seen anybody who I follow and respect saying like this, that's just football, man. And I'm glad because that's not, I mean, on his back defenseless, like it wasn't even a cheap block, like on a punt return or something. It was just meh. Yeah. But anyway, having said that, uh, could we get a fine and like some community service, please? Cause I have him everywhere. This might be easy for me to say because I have him on zero fantasy teams, but I think he should accept the suspension, not even uh, try to appeal it at all. I think he should just eat his lumps and sit out one game. Uh, he knows that he did something wrong. And if this was something that somebody did on the street, it's illegal. So the way I see it, I think it was completely unnecessary watching the tape. Maybe in real time, it didn't look as terrible because sometimes you just miss things but watching the replay over and over then it just doesn't get any better like he it looked it looked awful i mean like he ladarius white picks him off philip dorsett clearly touches him so plays dead and gronk like runs up to him and kind of like gets himself hyped 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 and then just like pile drives his head into the ground so it was completely premeditated. It was not at all an accident. And, and you know, and I, I agree with what you said, Jordan, because after the game, both Gronk and Bill Belichick apologized for the, for the play. Um, and so I think it would go a long way to being like, you know, I truly am sorry for what I did to accept the punt, accept the suspension. And especially since the Patriots, like it's, in the grand scheme of things, it's going to have a far greater fantasy impact than it will an actual football impact. Like it's not like the Patriots are going to need Gronk to beat the Miami Dolphins this week. In so, you know, part of me thought that Belichick was going to take the suspension out of the NFL's hands and suspend him himself. Like just pull him from next week's game, maybe a quarter or a half the following game and then put him back in. Like I thought Belichick was that upset about it. Yeah. I can understand taking your lumps, but I can also understand kind of the legal aspect of you've never done anything, so you have to appeal. And the appeal right. process, in general, for other players who have done worse or the same things, has resulted in them not being suspended. I agree with you guys completely that like the moralistic right thing to do would be to take the suspension. But, well, I forget the guy's name, but White's not going to like get extra money or get anything because of that. Right. So it's right. not like it's an active contrition that benefits the person who was injured. And the NFL has shown that it will take every opportunity to punish a player merely to save face instead of have some 
uh, disciplined process that's transparent and consistent. So I think you have to appeal it. But again, I hate being on this side of the argument. So I'm going to stop. No, I, I, I mean, I, and I saw people saying this too, and then we'll move on from this game. But uh, I think the NFLPA, just to keep setting this example of we will appeal every suspension, because you're right, Clark. I mean, the NFL has does definitely have a tendency to uh, suspend players to save face. And if the NFLPA kind of lets that, thinks you know doesn't let that uh, power go unchecked you never know what it could ha- what could happen um let's move on though <laughs> to a game that Clark and I were very excited about last week uh the bears versus the 49ers and it's important and fun because it was the first game of Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco and guess what he came away with a victory. Jordan, how did he do it? He did it on the back of the great Robbie Gold. That's why I have down here a uh, kicker revenge game for Robbie Gold. Uh, he wanted this revenge game, too. He hit that game winner, and in the post-game presser, he was calling out uh, the head coach, the GM of the Bears, the special teams coach by name. He was fired up. I'm on Team Robbie Gold right now. There's but nothing he... better than the kicker going off in a revenge game and just burning <laughs> every bridge. And it was right? the only points. It's it not like he points. kicked in one important one. That was it. So he exactly. literally carried the – oh, beautiful. Yeah. Garoppolo played well, but I gave my winner to Robbie Gold going 5 of 5 and having ice in his veins to knock in the game winner to beat the Bears. Uh, The Bears struggled mightily. One of the you help no one candidates, Jordan Howard, is the loser because this is his second dud in a row. It makes you feel like... You know, you might be a little bit worried about this lackluster Bears offense, but at the same time, they only had 21 minutes of offensive possession, which is not not great. Good. Uh, and in that time, he still managed to get at least 13 touches. You would think with maybe a little bit more time, uh, he'd be able to get something rolling, but not in this game, not against the Niners, who might be a little bit sneaky down the stretch and spoiling some some playoff hopeful teams. I mean, so would you guys... I don't want to say this, but do you put him in the Isaiah Crowell category of if he played on a better team, he'd be better? Is that what's holding him back? See, I don't even know if it's that, though, because we saw him be great last season. And and that bears, I mean, I guess what's the difference? You're saying that Jay Cutler and, and uh, Alshon Jeffrey were added a little more kind of real power to the passing attack so you could key in on that. I mean, that makes sense, I guess, now that I'm saying it. No, genu- just, genuine question, because I always no, loved yeah. Crowell, but he's just always kind of failed to get off the launch pad. I think he yeah. could fare better on a better team, and John Fox is just not a good coach, so I don't, I don't know why he keeps getting head coaching opportunities, but I just don't see him as a good coach. He needs to be in the Jeff Fisher unemployment line. Yeah. John Fox, happy to get you to five wins, baby. <laughs> Woo! That's what it says on the resume. Let's uh let's bounce to uh the Lions and the Ravens and Clark. Um, sad to say this, buddy, but the Danny Woodhead resurgence doesn't look too great. Yeah, I I had to pick this game because I had to come clean and apologize to all of my followers out there who sort of pay attention to anything that I say. And I was all over Danny Woodhead this year. I just thought absolute cannot miss great prospects and he just didn't really do anything and he hasn't done anything and i don't see that getting turned around so he's the or i'm the loser this game for loving danny woodhead so much woodhead got two catches on two targets three carries for nine yards uh i don't understand the the biggest surprise to me and the biggest winner in this game is the ravens are in the playoffs right now what is why what a defense They're not good. good. And it, well, the, the thing that scares me is that this is the exact like path that the Ravens have taken before, that the Giants have taken before, where it's just like this team that gets hot kind of at the right time, sneaks into the playoff, gets like one, two wins under their belt, and suddenly and, and are carried by the defense. And as soon as that offense just puts together any kind of scoring, 
suddenly they're they're a a playoff caliber team. It scares me a little. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, Jordan, I'm with you. I mean, they got pass rush and they turn you over, but oh, they're the they're like in the top position for teams benefiting from the abysmal AFC West. They are well, except for the Chargers who are rising, but still, it's a, but it's still. Like a three-way tie for six and six at the top of the AFC West, and the Baltimore Re- Ravens are reaping the benefit. Best division in the league. <laughs> yeah, no, that's super true. The AFC West has been has been uh, very struggling this season, but them surging charges look pretty pretty nice. So four weeks ago, my Philip Rivers leads the Chargers to the AFC Championship game and wins MVP. Looked like absolutely the dumbest thing anyone had ever said. It's not such a bad thing now. Um, we we might even if if they even make it into the playoffs and win one or two playoff games, we might have to have a giant Clark is correct celebration party because that was a pretty ballsy call at the time, and it's definitely uh, looking like it's coming at least much closer to true than any of us could have expected. Yeah, and I do expect a party the first time I'm right, guys. So I hope you've been hey, saving up for it. That's the <laughs> only reason we have this podcast is to throw ourselves parties when we're correct. Uh, yeah, that's it but, for this one. I mean, Ravens defense yeah. looks good. The Lions just doing Lions stuff, uh, looking bad. The Lions uh, are going to Lions. Amir Abdullah didn't play. They really couldn't get anything going this week. It's not much there. Matt Stafford got hurt. Don't have an update on that. Tune into the podcast on Thursday. Um, yeah, just Lions looked bad, and somehow the Ravens got 44 points. It's baffling me. I watched the whole game, and I still don't know how it happened. <laughs> It just material <laughs> materiated material materialated. Good God! Materiated. It materiated. That's why it I'm materi- so it's immateriated. It, 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 out of thin air. Uh, let's <laughs> moving on. Uh, the Vikings and the Atlanta Falcons battled in the for the NFC domination. Not really domination. The Vikings wanted to establish themselves as an NFC dominant team, and the Falcons were trying to get back on track. And sadly, it did not quite happen because of the arm of Case Keenum. Wiener. Case Keenum had a good day. He's been having good days all season. 227 yards, two touchdowns. I keep We keep giving him flack for being Case Keenum, but I think if you put any other name on the back of that jersey, you wouldn't. No one would be giving him flack. Everyone would be like, "This is a good quarterback that the uh, that the Vikings have under center." But because he's Case Keenum, and because everyone loves to reference the Rams years and just the kind of uh, ups and downs that the Keenum roller coaster has ridden before, uh, I don't know. Is Case Keenum good? Are we? Are we? Hey, is it okay to admit that? So I'm looking at Tom Brady, Week 16 against Buffalo, where he just almost killed me. Or Case Keenum versus the Packers. If I make it to the Super Bowl, I can't believe it. I will probably start Case Keenum in that game. Is that is that crazy? I feel like that's not a crazy thought process. As the resident NFC North homer on the podcast, I'm still waiting for the wheels to fall off on the Case Keenum train. I, I just feel Everyone like at some been. point it might happen. Um, and that's 10 and 2, though. And you can't argue. You can't argue with that. And that's the worry. And the worry is it's just like, we're getting now to the point where if the wheels do fall off, it's going to fall off at like the worst possible moment. Like there's not a lot of games here for case Keenum to like have a case Keenum game and then right the ship. If it, if he starts falling off and, and goes to the case Keenum that we've seen in the past and has those bad games where he's just running backwards and getting sacked for 20 yard losses, or just heaving the ball up in the air for poops and giggles. Like, yeah, it's going to come in playoff time, and that's not exactly what you want to be seeing from your starting quarterback. But up until this point, he's been fantastic. I think they kind of benefit from a little bit of a cushy schedule. I mean, they've played some solid defenses in the Saints, Rams, Steelers when they feel like it, but they lost that game. They only scored nine points. Um, otherwise, they've played defenses, uh, the Buccaneers, the Bears. Cakewalk. The Packers, unfortunately, uh, they handled the Ravens, but Ravens can't score. Yeah, the, the Jaguars handled the Ravens too. Yeah, so. yeah, forty-four to seven. I don't know. Um, I, in playoff time, <laughs> it ratches it up. I know fantasy football doesn't have to do anything with the playoffs of the NFL, but yeah, I think well, people like actually, yeah. ratchet it up. How does AJ Green just get forgotten? Just six times. A year. 
The Steelers play the Bengals twice a year. You think they would remember that A.J. Green might want to put a dude on that guy. That's three touchdowns for A.J. Green. This God. A.J. Green has three touchdowns. Breaking news, everyone. A.J. Green is going off. Oh, man, I feel silly because in my uh, DFS article, I said, do not pick a – I said, sell A.J. Green because I do not think that he was going to have a big game against the Steelers. Welp. I have a lot of A.J. Green stock. Oh, you lucky dog. Uh, loser of this game is Julio Jones because Julio Jones does exactly what we now expect Julio Jones to do, which is put up one massive monstrosity of a game and then be kind of MIA for the rest of the season. I was going to put him in the You Help No One as a nominee this week, but I ultimately didn't because he was facing Xavier Rhodes. And like Xavier Rhodes is a hell of a corner and has had a phenomenal season. So you're not you're not entirely expecting Julio to maybe go off off. But still, two catches, 24 yards. He was only targeted six times, which is his third lowest of the season. I I don't at times understand the Falcons and what their and what their whole offense is constructed around, but whatever. Sometimes the Falcons perplex me, and that's just the world we all have to live and operate in. I'm with Sometimes you, and I know this isn't a play by play game, uh, but since I just yelled, uh, AJ Green's third touchdown got called back somehow because Cincinnati's still Cincinnati, so only two touchdowns so far. Only two touchdowns. Sorry, AJ Green owners. The Falcons are literally we're three quarters of the way through the season and they're still trying to figure out what their right. offense is which is it's got to be frustrating for atlanta fans yeah it's not a, not a good thing uh let's move on to jordan's team the green bay packers running all over the tampa bay buccaneers to a championship uh on the backs of both of their rookie running backs uh that must be a pretty nice feeling to have suddenly a emerging running game in green bay and Aaron uh, Rodgers possibly coming back it. in week 15. That has been the buzz pretty much all weekend. Uh, even before the game, everybody's like, hey, if they win here, Aaron Rodgers possibly coming back for the Panthers game. But they've been doing it on the ground. Uh, that's what they need to do to take some pressure off of Brett Hundley. Uh, winner, Jamal Williams. Uh, who is the third running back to get an opportunity for this Packers offense, but he went for uh, 21 rushes for 113 yards and a touchdown. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't get the game winner. That was their other rookie running back, Aaron Jones, who's coming back from injury. This is like the first time in forever that the Packers have had a decent running back competition in the backfield. And it makes me super excited because usually it's like, okay, which one of these two bad options is going to get the start? But now it's which one of these two good options is it going to get the start and who might get traded in the off season because there's not enough carries to go around. Um, Do you think Ty, and this is just as a Packers fan, do you think Ty gets moved back to wide receiver Ty Montgomery, given the wealth of seemingly running back talent that they have back there? Uh, that's tough to tell. I'm not sure what he's going to be, what his role is going to be in the offense yeah. moving forward because he was their primary back to start the season, but he definitely stalled even in the games that he was healthy. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams have proved to be just way better options. So I'm going to push you on this because I have Jamal Williams and I have not started him two weeks in a row in favor oh. of Joe Mixon in my flex. So it's been fine, but. Is when I decide to put him in because Mixon had a concussion, he plays running back. Is he going to kill me this week and split carries with Aaron Jones? Could you look into the Packers crystal ball? He might. (laughs) So if 52%, I feel like if Aaron Jones gets the start at running back, which I mean, he, he put up a good performance before he got injured. So he just might, I feel like he would just be able to carry the load. Um, Jamal Williams might come in for some relief duties, but I don't know. That's a, that's a tough one to keep an eye on for sure. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Come back to us, Joe Mixon. Come back to us. Do you have a loser for this game? Besides for the Buccaneers? Uh, yes. Big loser. Um, unfortunately, Mike Evans, uh, stud wide receiver, two catches for 33 yards. That's not good, especially against the Packers defense who, the Packers defense gets torched by really good receivers, big number 
ones. Uh, Kevin King, the Packers rookie corner, wasn't even playing in the game. Who they would have matched up on him, and for some reason, I, the Bucks offense. I was watching the entire game, and it just nothing was connecting. Maybe it was Jameis's injury. Who knows? He should have been able to find Mike Evans a little bit more than he did. My favorite play of this game is Jameis Winston is getting tackled. He's uh, done. He's take the sack. The game's still close. And instead, Jameis Winston pulls some Jameis Winston stuff, essentially hands the ball to a defensive tackle that just happened to be in the area. <laughs> and then the big boy goes rumbling, blumbling, stumbling, and he gets you seven. That is at what point is Jameis Winston going to be the next Jay Cutler or is he going to pull himself out of it? Because he hasn't done anything better than Jay Cutler has so far in his career. That's a very, I like that comparison. I'm intrigued. It's early, I'm intrigued. It's early but but these are the same kind of things that you saw in Florida state. He had the same propensity to making those just completely boneheaded plays where you're going down in the arms of like five defenders and you're like, ah, let's just, Huck it and see what happens. And then ultimately the ball just falls right in the laps of a defender who runs it down back for a touchdown. And suddenly a close game gets blown wide open. So yeah, the thing about those Florida state defenses too, is that they were like the tops in the nation and they could help Jameis Winston with those comebacks whenever he would make a dumb mistake. So that's not happening in Tampa Bay right now. No, no. Uh, let's move on to Clark's favorite division. The AFC South, in which two AFC South rivals battle to the death, the uh, Indianapolis Colts and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, so the Jags roll in this one, 30 to 10 over the Colts. Uh, I think the big winner of this game is Marquise Lee. He's had a few good games in a row. Uh, this week, he got 10 targets, seven catches for 86 yards and a touchdown, and a couple of really nice catches. So he's not just getting wide open and then cashing in he's actually making some really nice plays and then i saw a lot of questions for Dede westbrook or dd westbrook however you say it uh and and he also had a nice game uh blake bortles three for 309 yards two touchdowns and here's the biggest surprise blake? zero interceptions blake <laughs> like Bortles, 300 yards and two touchdowns sure but four picks right right <laughs> like that's naturally used to uh, but yeah, so Westbrook and Lee had big games. Uh, Fournette did not have a big game. Uh, and then the, the last winner I have here is Frank Gore. So now he's fifth all-time rushing. Just uh, such a great career. Love Frank Good Gore. Job, Frank. Very consistent. You know, like never been absolutely the best. But if you stick around this long at running back, I do think that gets you into the hall because it's just – it has to be the most difficult position to remain alive and standing at. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The uh, losers are the Colts. They're, they're, they're terrible. They're, they're terrible. <laughs> Don't even bother watching. I think Let's, they gave up. I mean, that's the only person on that team that has anything to play for, and he's going to get a starting job somewhere. He's done enough to show me that he'll get in the mix there in a couple of years at, in like a Chicago – Mike Glennon kind mm -hmm. of he'll compete on a team like San Francisco who needs somebody. Uh, oh, oh man. Colts. Ugh. Moving on to another team that has, we're so close from winning, but uh, instead just gave up the Cleveland Browns versus the San Diego chargers, the San Diego chargers that are thriving and are now tied in a three-way tie for the AFC West. I mean, what a, who to call that? Uh, as Clark casually me on his, it's a little on his tea Again. in the corner. Uh, winner this week, Keenan Allen, who has just been on fire the last three weeks. He had another 100-plus yard receiving game and a touchdown, uh, 105 on 10 receptions with the TD. His last three games, he has had 33 catches for 436 yards and four touchdowns. That is some elite production right there for a receiver who started the season uh, very, very quietly. And by all accounts was kind of someone who maybe many people thought were, wasn't worth being rostered anymore, or, or at the very least was not on their uh, starting lineup. Uh, and maybe you missed out on some of those uh, hot performances, but hopefully you've got him into your starting lineup by now. Uh, loser for this game, Clark and I losers for not believing in Josh Gordon. 
For the record, we were, we're rooting for Gordon. Never were we not rooting for Josh Gordon to come back to the NFL and make an impact. The thought was behind the idea was just that we didn't really uh, buy into all of the hype that was going into it because he hadn't played in three years and he was playing for the Browns. And what receiver had done anything for the Browns? Well, we were both wrong. Uh, he had four catches for 85 yards against the Chargers in his debut, uh, immediately making an impact. And he looked like he had just stepped out of a time machine uh, exactly from 2014 where he was tearing up the league. Looked like the Josh Gordon of bold. Uh, he was, fun fact, the only receiver, uh, only other receiver to have 85 yards against the Chargers this year is Odell Beckham. So there you go, people. Odell Beckham is just as good as three years out of the league, Josh Gordon. So who'd have thunk? Yeah, I'm with you. I was, I was happy to see him do well, even though my thought is that he wouldn't do great. And just just to put it in context, he, he was number 22 in standard and number 26 in PPR. So if you did start him and you are happy, I am happy for you. But let's not crow too loudly. He didn't That's set fair. the world on fire. Uh, the The hope going forward now is that he showed he still looks huge and he still looks fast. It will just be, will the Browns have enough scoring opportunities for him to pay that off? Right. And if so, he's going to be that killer addition to your wide receiver core. And if not, he's going to get you 60, 70 yards on 40 targets and three catches. You guys are missing the last time Josh Gordon blew up. He was catching passes from the likes of Brandon Whedon, Jason Campbell, and Brian Hoyer. Like, oh, what an elite quarterback group! <laughs> always an elite QB group with the Browns. Maybe I wouldn't have started Gordon this week, but I feel like I I should have rostered him. Now hindsight's twenty twenty. Hindsight twenty twenty. A final fun fact before we move on to the next game: since the last time Josh Gordon played in two thousand fourteen. The Browns have gone nine of 46. They've won nine games since 2014 in the last three years. Oh, another 46. Another fun fact who has or which QB has the most home wins at the Brown Stadium? Is it Ben Roethlisberger? It is Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> <laughs> he oh. has like 11 wins and 12 attempts in his career. Oh, Cleveland. Cleveland, Cleveland, Cleveland. It'll be a weird day. It's weird to already admit that the Jaguars are like a f- back into a playoff contention. It's going to be a very, very strange time when the Bl- Browns ever stumble into the playoffs. To be fair, the Jaguars are contending in what has long been, even though I am a fan of a team in this division, the worst division oh, totally. of football. So a new weakest king is going to be crowned, but it's still. But that still being here. said, I mean, you can see you can see the NFC North taking a sudden downturn. Uh, the Ravens' offense looks putrid as long as Joe Flacco's behind center, and if that defense falls off at all, you're suddenly looking at a very very bad team. The Steelers have phenomenal offensive talent, but no one behind Ben Roethlisberger who flirts with retirement every other year. And so, as soon as he retires, who I mean, who's going to lead that offense? And the Cincinnati Bengals are the Cincinnati Bengals. So I don't know. I mean, you could, the NFC North in, in three to four years could look very, very different. AFC North, excuse me. Not unless the Browns are still, still trying to woo AJ McCarron. Then they might be in some trouble again. Yeah, they might be in some trouble then. Uh, let's move on to the Chiefs versus the Jets, uh, a game that many thought that the Chiefs could get back on track. But alas, oh, man, so many teams in this podcast have been doing themselves as a verb that as soon as I said it, just just knew it was not going to come out right. But a lot of <laughs> verbing has happened uh, and the Chiefs just chiefed and uh, lost a game in which they scored 31 points to the Jets. And I don't know how that happens, but it happened. Yeah, I watched this game from start to finish. It was a pretty exciting game offensively with a lot of points scored, but ever since the Chiefs lost that overtime game to the Raiders earlier in the season, they've just been on a nosedive. Um, Winner, Tyreek Hill. uh, He came back. He bounced back in a big way. He's got six catches for 185 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, They have been trying to force feed 
Tyreek Hill the ball. Um, in the previous two games, he had seven catches each. He just didn't do all that much with it. Uh, but in this game, he it finally paid off. They finally got all the the yardage and the points that they needed out of Tyreek Hill. Travis Kelsey, who scored like two touchdowns in the first minute and 30 seconds. Uh, unfortunate that they, they kind of went away from him after that. I don't think he even caught a pass in the second half. Good old Andy Reid. Right? <laughs> Always uh, baffling when Kelsey doesn't get looked at. I mean, he's... <sighs> it, just why? Just throw the ball to your best players. It shouldn't be that hard. Yeah, luckily, even if the Chiefs are continuing this downward slide, that Travis Kelsey is still a definite start every week. Um, loser here, I, I think we got to come up with a name for this downslide of running backs. He's he's in the same category as Jordan Howard. Uh, Kareem Hunt gets another loser of this game. Uh, there were scores to go all around for the Chiefs, but Hunt didn't get any of those, and he only got nine touches. Um, that might be a little bit play calling, but I don't, I don't know, man. Kareem Hunt, if you're an owner of him, it might be time to park him on the bench. You might have to find a better option at this point. Yeah. You it's, it's telling that in a, in an outing where the chiefs put together 31 points, Kareem Hunt didn't score any of those or was even looked at as an option for any of those. That's not great. Not great. If you're a Kareem Hunt owner heading into the playoffs. Yeah, Kareem Hunt is still fifth in overall points scored, but he hasn't gotten more than seven and a half points since week eight. So we've got in just ESPN standard scoring, 40 points, 22, 24, and then week four, 12, 11, 11, 11, 6, 6, 7, 2, 6. What happened, man? Oh, that's like the rookie wall four weeks in. It's either the rookie wall or I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the season when the Chiefs aren't in the playoffs that we hear something like he had a nagging like hamstring injury and he just tried to push through it or something like that. I don't know. It's yeah. just perplexing. Yeah, because there's a lot of hate with another rookie running back that we will talk about here in a second saying like, oh, don't call this new guy Kareem Hunt. But guys. Remember, Kareem Hunt looked freaking electric those first four weeks. Let's mm-hmm. not forget. So, Jordan, I think you might have hit the nail on the head with some ankle, hamstring, something, or just that offensive coordinator is not going to work there anymore. <laughs> Someone's about to get fired. Yeah, um, in this game, too, I forgot to note that Andy Reid did cede some of the play calling duty. Uh, to, I believe, the offensive coordinator, but he had, like, final oversight, so he very well could have just been in the offensive coordinator's ear all game anyway, which I don't know. Which as a business analyst seems like the most inefficient way to do something. Right. Yep. Like, hey, you take over responsibilities, but I'm going to be whispering. Everything. But I'm going to question you in constant way. So good luck. <laughs> so, don't screw have up. Fun with that. <laughs> yeah. uh, excellent. Let's move on to uh, another AFC South battle. <laughs> okay, let's get this over the, with. Let's, let's get this over with. Let's go, Clark. Give it to us rapid fire. Get this Texas, over with. Texans 13, Titans 24. Uh, Texans winners. Steven Anderson mentioned him last week on the podcast. Had 12 targets, 5 catches, 79 yards, and the only receiving touchdown. 12 targets, 5 catches is a very efficient stat line for Tom Savage. So don't blame him <laughs> on Steven Anderson. Uh, in that same vein, DeAndre Hopkins, best wide receiver that I've seen play football, I think, in the past five years. 14 targets, eight receptions, 80 yards. So Tom Savage is f-ing terrible. But Steven Anderson, if you're desperate at tight end, you might want to pick him up for Dorowitz, the starting tight end who's never done – who is a very serviceable old-school tight end, good blocker, can get you five yards. You want him on your team, but he's not a fantasy asset type tight end. He got another concussion. He was on IR earlier this year for concussions. So he should probably just take the rest of the year off. That's going to be more playing time for Anderson. And he is getting targeted a lot. Um, so just keep that in mind. If you are worried about replacing Gronk, i.e. I will be picking up Steven Anderson in my leagues. Uh, the, the Colts winners are Del- – they're not Colts. The, the Titans winners are Delaney Walker just <laughs> – Giving you a super consistent year. Like, what are those guys that you picked in the seventh and it was super boring yeah, yeah. and just has been fine? You've 
lost a couple of weeks at tight end, but you've never gotten a goose egg. Uh, and then Derek Henry saving the, the day. So typical Tom Savage form, the Texans have a chance to win. And, uh, Tom Savage throws a pick in the end zone. Now, granted, it wasn't like a horrible decision. He had to go for it, and he's not good. So the ball is picked. Uh, so from from the 25, the Texans have to sell out. They have to stop the Titans. And Derrick Henry hits the crease and turns on the Jets. And even though he weighs 260 pounds, he's faster than everybody else that plays for the Texans and gets you 75 yards. Ends up with 11 attempts, 109 yards, and a touchdown. Keep in mind, 75-yard TD run. So you do the math on that one. Uh, the baffling thing here, the loser is the the Derrick Henry and DeMarco Murray owners. So each uh, Henry and Murray had 11 carries. They each looked good. Uh, Murray had a couple of catches for 30 yards or so. Uh, so you just have no idea who's going to start. And it's not a situation like the saints have where both guys are viable starters. They're just not. Um, also have the losers are Texans fans. And I have a lot of comments that I can't read <laughs> on there. We'll just, and Mario we'll truthers. We'll just put yeah. a full stretch, a full stretch of beeps right there. Yeah. I'll just save everyone. <laughs> just uh, if Deshaun oh. Watson comes back and plays like Deshaun Watson played, It'll all be fine. And I'm just looking forward to next year. It'll all be worth it. I'm just looking forward to watch the Browns pick really early in the first round twice. Courtesy of the. Oh, I'm not bitter. Can't wait. Yeah, it might be time for the Titans to uh, start Derrick Henry. I know he got uh, his stats look a heck of a lot better because of that 75 yard touchdown. But I don't know. I still think it might be time to just uh, hand over the reins to the young guy and see what he can do with the full starting, uh, full starting uh, load. Yeah, they're contending. Uh, I mean, and Murray looked better. Uh, oh, I can't believe what a terrible division. <laughs> let's move on. Let's get out of the division then. Uh, let's move on to the Rams versus the Cardinals. Winner from this game, Sammy Watkins. Uh, both Todd Gurley and Jared Goff had good games, but you know you've come to expect those from them. Uh, but the big thing is that Sammy Watkins has started to really become a regular contributor in this offense. In the last five weeks, he scored four touchdowns, and he's averaging at least six targets uh, in each of the last three games. So he's someone who's came in, kind of started off slow, getting himself acclimated with the Rams offense and just kind of being on that team. But he stayed healthy. He hasn't had any major injuries, knock on wood. Uh, And he's starting to become that kind of big play explosive receiver that the Bills thought he would be and that the Rams traded for him uh, to be. So if you have Sammy Watkins and you've waited him out this far, uh, you're looking pretty good right now. You'll like it. What? I hate to sound stupid, but to take the cover off of the piano. No, the piano's uncovered. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Wasn't there an injury? Like, isn't that why Sammy Watkins is doing well? Like, they didn't just decide to start throwing it to him. Robert Uh, Robert Woods. Yeah. Right. So for those of us who have stupidly held on to Sammy Watkins, we're finally getting paid off. And to the rest of you who picked him up off of waivers, congratulations. Good for you. Uh, also winner in this game, Kerwin Williams, uh, AP was out. Uh, so it's handcuff season. Go get him. He is 16 carries for 97 yards. You know, if you're desperate, the running back position, a loser. I had difficulty finding a loser for this game because everyone pretty much played how I would expect them all to play. Uh, but I guess people who thought Ricky Seals Jones was going to go three for three for touchdowns in games. So I guess hey, there, there's hey, a loser. Pete, I'm standing right here, man. I'm standing right here. <laughs> hey, he know he uh, he was second on the team with uh, 41 receiving yards. So yeah, I mean, I guess that's what you're gonna get. But he still is Blaine Gabbert's, you know, binky, and still Blaine Gabbert loves to get him the football. So you know, you're still happy with him. So he still got a lot of targets. He was still involved, and it just didn't pay off. And that's the when you play a guy you've never heard of on a team that sucks with Blaine Gabbert at quarterback. That's yeah. gonna happen. Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. Yeah, as long as okay. the targets are still there, sometimes you just got to swallow a bad performance. Uh, let's go on to an awful performance by an entire team. The Miami Dolphins go up against the Denver Broncos, and oh my God, you guys, the Miami Dolphins won a game, and I thought that the that the Broncos just would be better than this and just would be able to beat a bad team, but 
what do you know? The Broncos just suck, especially on offense. Yeah. So for those that don't know, I actually live in Denver and when the, for the past two years now, but when the Broncos are good, I was here for the Super Bowl run. That's all anybody could talk about. It was Broncos, Broncos, Broncos. Guess what they're talking about now? It's not the Broncos. <laughs> you know what? It's not even the Nuggets. I don't even know what they're talking about sports wise. Uh, the Broncos are just bad. That's that's it, they're just bad. Um, winner of this game, the Dolphins defense. Um, I don't know anybody that actually picked up the Dolphins defense to stream them, but if you did, good on you, mate. Um, Dolphins with. Oh, go ahead, Clark. I bet only people in Denver did because they're like Trevor Simeon. I'll fucking show you. I mean, he's terrible. I'm gonna start him with all you Broncos fans who drafted. I'll show you. It was just like a hate play. They just they watched the game yeah. just with so much ire. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the Dolphins D had three picks, three sacks, three points allowed. I know they let out nine in total, but the D only allowed three. One block. They Dolphins D got one touchdown, and they just dominated the entire game. I don't I don't know what the Broncos do from here. Um, they are my loser. Uh, just in general, I just put the Broncos yeah. are the loser. Yeah. Uh, if I had to pick, though, it's got to be Simeon. Uh, three picks. He was 19 of 41. Ugh. I couldn't even clean up the garbage time touchdown, Trevor. Uh, man, Broncos are in trouble. Which is yeah. crazy because they looked great at the beginning of the year. You thought Trevor Simeon had like taken that next step and was going to be just serviceable enough at quarterback to lead this, you know, pretty talented offense and, and all-star defense to at least a, a AFC West best, but do you think Peyton held on to his condo and maybe Eli could just borrow it just, just borrow for the six con- months think- next year? I mean, it would be the friendly brotherly thing to do is to just be like, Hey Eli, why don't you basically take over what I did? And we can then have a direct comparison about who's better. And how fitting would it be if Eli did that and got his third Super Bowl and went down as like, I'm still the best throwing the blades. I still got three. Sucks to suck, Peyton. That would be excellent. The thing is for the Broncos, too, is they're like in a battle for a top three pick right now. And they're just going to fall into one of these really good college quarterbacks. And people are still going to think John Elway is good at drafting. Uh, so yeah, they're just going to fall into another good quarterback situation and they'll be all right. There are so many narratives. There are, there's very few narratives I hate more than the, like John Elway can do no wrong as a, as a general manager and as a a team builder. He's only done one, right? He got selected by the best quarterback I've ever seen play. Maybe the second best now that Tommy is really still kicking it, but like, Still doing his he thing. drafted Paxton Lynch. Getting Simeon in the seventh was good because you traded up for Paxton Lynch. Simeon in the seventh is good, but yeah, you traded up for Captain Morgan. That's not working out. What? Yeah. No, that's it. That's it. I, I I gotta stop now, <laughs> or else it's just gonna go for fifteen minutes. We may need a special auxiliary Denver Broncos podcast later. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Moral of the story. Don't uh, don't believe the John Elway hype. Uh, let's move on to the Panthers versus the Saints, a game in which the running backs for the Saints did exactly what the running backs for the Saints have always done, and that's get you loads and loads and loads of fantasy points. Yeah, so I was I was filling out my DraftKings lineups this week. You're all welcome for all of you that like to play in the one dollar contest. Uh, the winner here is the New Orleans backfield. Uh, Mark Ingram had 14 carries for 85 yards and a touchdown. Uh, seven targets, six catches, 37 yards. So a really nice day for Ingram. And then, of course, uh, Kamara kind of cementing his legend with an amazing goal line run that everybody's probably seen 50 times on ESPN. If you haven't, go on the internet and look up Kamara run. It's probably the top hit now. Uh, so Kamara finished the day nine rushes, 60 yards, two rushing touchdowns, and then uh, six targets, five receptions, 66 yards. So again, both of the backs in New Orleans have finished. I mean, I didn't look, but probably top ten for the week. It wasn't a great I'd week for running so. backs. I mean, just just amazing. Uh, and then, unfortunately, then the loser becomes Drew Brees' owners because he's putting up a pedestrian two hundred and seventy-five yards and like a touchdown and a half, but just because he doesn't have to 
he doesn't have to do what he used to. It used to be 350 yards and three touchdowns, or you know the Saints lost. The defense is still playing well despite losing a bunch of guys. Uh, Carolina looks slow and not great, uh, but they did hit a couple of big plays, and they just didn't hit enough of them. Uh, Michael Thomas had another good game, nine targets, 70 yards, and a touchdown, so a little bit of solace for folks that either kept or drafted Michael Thomas earlier. Tough to pick a loser here because everybody that you started in this game fantasy-wise probably did well. So, I mean, Funches and McCaffrey didn't have big games, but they each got you a touchdown. Uh, Newton only threw for 183 yards, but he did get you two touchdowns, and then you led the team in rushing with 51 yards. Um, so you didn't you didn't lose by starting anybody. Um, I just I don't know why. Like it got in my head that Cam Newton finally just burned all the credit that he has with me, and I I think he's just a jerk now. So I'm happy to see his team lose. Uh, with all of his stupid little celebrations and, you know, thinking women can't think and, you know, thievery and all that stuff. So happy to see the Panthers lose. Uh, Happy to see New Orleans get the win. And this division is really shaping up to be incredibly interesting after, like you mentioned on last week's podcast, super slow start. Going to be a super interesting finish with the Saints playing the Falcons twice at the end of the year. Yeah. That's good. Those are both going to be big time matchups and, and excellent to watch uh, and uh, big deciding deciding games. My uh, my only note from that game is that I'm just I'm super proud of you, Mark Ingram. You know, he's the veteran running back yeah. he, like this rookie is getting all the hype, but he's like taking it as a personal challenge to not have his starting job just completely taken away. He is having a career year himself because of it. So I'm and- proud of you, Mark Ingram. Jordan, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, the if you ha- if you aren't watching these games and you're just watching the highlight, you're just seeing Kamara doing all of these amazing things and wondering why is Mark Ingram still playing? He is absolutely killing it too. He is doing great. He's just not having the highlight reel type of runs that Kamara is having. I think both of these guys are benefiting from each other because I mean, 14 carries and nine carries, six catches and five catches. That's a huge workload for one back and they're splitting it and they're both just tearing it up. Really interesting saints team. You know, one wants to see these guys in the playoffs. I'm sure. I think Kamara is so effective because they have a running back like Mark Ingram who can bang teams up the middle. And so you have to play honest and you have to really, really have to have to, uh, have to focus. <laughs> All right, we're moving on. I just can't focus now. God damn I didn't it. hear anything after that. <laughs> <laughs> Points ruined. Oh yeah. Pete getting saucy on the late night edition of the yeah. podcast. Bang it up the middle. Moving on. Giants versus the Raiders. Um, Geno Smith experiment went swimmingly. Uh, The winner here, though, despite the Geno Smith experiment, and Evan Ingram, L-E-G-I-T, seven catches for 99 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Not bad for the Rook. And I have to say, he is looking exactly like the kind of tight end that he was pitched as coming out of Old Miss where he's kind of that hybrid tight end slash wide receiver, Jimmy Graham. Uh, he reminds me a lot of how the Patriots utilized Aaron Hernandez before, you know, he killed a bunch of people and, and went to jail. Uh, but that kind of mismatch, that's kind of a tight end, not really a tight end, but because of where he's lined up and where he's positioned and, and his role forces teams to cover him with a linebacker or with a uh, safety, or if they do choose to put a corner on him, Ingram is just bigger and stronger and is able to outmuscle. He had one phenomenal one-handed catch. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Uh, also, I would say beast mode winner. And I know I said this a couple weeks ago and Clark gave me a, a lot of shit, but uh, but he's actually, he actually had a good game. 17 carries, 101 and a touchdown. I'll take that. I'll take that, Marshawn. Way to go, beast mode. Loser for this game is Geno Smith because he still sucks and because he still sucks. Up there, you go. Don't need really much more than that. I thought Gino looked okay, but that's me looking to be generous. And the yeah. Giants already blew it. You're already dead to me, Giants. How You're dead you... to me. Ugh. Yeah. Evan Ingram, though, uh, also, number five tight end this year. Look what? at him. Also, Orleans Darkwood, what happened? Where did you go? 
Yeah, has had 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 thought I thought I had such high hopes for you and and just uh just not playing out the way that I thought it would. A little toot your own Let's, horn uh, here. I've been playing uh Travis Kelsey and Evan Ingram as a double tight end, one in the flex. Woo. Except I benched him this week because I didn't think he would benefit from Geno Smith, but he is back in. He's definitely he back in. Never leaving <laughs> that flex spot for the rest of the year. No way. He's bought real estate there. He's ready. <laughs> Uh, let's wrap up week 13 action with the Sunday night game, the Eagles versus the Seahawks, a game that many thought the Eagles would uh, come in, take care of business and come out. But the Seahawks pulled off the upset and, uh, Russell Wilson looked fantastic. Well, both quarterbacks look fantastic. Clark, what, uh, who, who looked more fantastic? What, what's the story of this game? Well, so the, the quarterback that wins always looks better. So Eagles 10, Seahawks 24. Uh, Russell True. Wilson looked amazing, but I've not questioned Carson Wentz, but I felt a lot like Carson Wentz has benefited from playing on a great team. And you don't want to hold that against someone because obviously the quarterback's the most important position probably in sports. And if your team is great, your quarterback's probably not some schlub. But Carson Wentz, in a losing effort, had some amazing plays. In prime time. So it was really cool to get to see that. It's probably the first time a lot of people have seen the Eagles in prime time. He he just looked great. Uh, the reason they lost, though, is Seattle was getting a really good pass rush, and they seemed to be uh, not letting people get deep on them. So they were gashed for a few plays, and it was one of those where, like, you know, Seattle had the ball at the end of the half, and then they got the ball back at the end of the half. Like, just a really well-managed game that always stayed out of the Eagles' grasp. Kind of the the killer in this one is it's Philly 3, Seattle 10. In the middle of the third, Carson Wentz keeps it on a read option and fumbles the ball out the back of the end zone. And then Seattle drives down for a touchdown, and then all of a sudden it's 3-17. to 17. That's really where it got out of hand. The Eagles just couldn't overcome they haven't had to come from behind a lot and they couldn't against Seattle. The winners here is real football. So there's a race in the NFC again, now that the Eagles and the Vikings are tied and now Seattle's kind of nipping at the heels of the Rams and Seattle controls their, their destiny here. They beat the Rams earlier in the year. They'll play them again, which would put both teams at three losses. If uh, Seattle can beat the Rams or four losses, if Seattle can beat the Rams. Uh, so it's going to be a really interesting finish. In the NFC, Russell Wilson is looking amazing. Uh, not quite the passer that Aaron Rodgers is, but probably more elusive, certainly better with his legs. So just a really fun combination to watch. Uh, and then Mike Davis, the moving target that is the Seattle backfield. <laughs> Spend all of your fab again on Mike Davis, maybe. He got 16 carries where Thomas Rawls, Eddie Lacy, and uh, J.D. McKissick each got one carry and mike davis looked good so roll the dice again mike davis maybe would you recommend that people blow their fab all over mike davis <laughs> i think you go hard up the middle and just and you just blow it all that's the best advice that we can give on this podcast such yeah. a big fab <laughs> i've been saving it for a long time <laughs> oh boy uh you could tell that it's getting late uh, before we wrap up the podcast, as uh, a little waiver wire talk, we figured it might be nice to just throw out a few names again of kind of people who maybe you want to uh, pick up off the waiver wires. And I'll start. I've got you a little wide receiver if you're looking for someone. Marquise Goodwin for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Goodwin has rather quietly been having a strong fantasy season so far. And that train keeps a rolling with the new man in San Fran. Mr. Suave, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, Goodwin was targeted eight times against the Bears. Caught every one of them for 99 yards. And the schedule gets a lot easier for the new dynamic duo as the 49ers play the Texans' vulnerable secondary next week and the Titans the week after. So, uh, As being generous. If you're looking for... As a Texans fan, very generous. <laughs> a flex, flex receiver. Marquise Goodwin owned 32% of Yahoo League. So that's the guy you can go get. Uh Clark, who do you have as a, as a waiver, a potential waiver target for people? I do think that Gronkowski's suspension will get reduced to a pretty hefty fine and that he won't miss a game. 
But if that's not the case, we mentioned this earlier. I think you go out and get Steven Anderson absolutely for one game. Uh, so you just mentioned that the Texans are going to play the 49ers next week. Uh, so out of the last five games or like the last five weeks, the San Francisco 49ers have given up the second most points per game to tight ends. I think CJ Fedorowicz is going to miss a game. I hope he does. I mean, if a guy has three concussions in a game, screw football, man, like take the rest of the year off, you know, uh, he he's looked good. He's getting targets. The, the Texans throw to Deandre Hopkins every time they are in the red zone. And that's like the only play that they have. And so I think half of the time they're going to start going to Steven Anderson. Cause they just can't get, a, they just can't get a push. Uh, you know, first to go on the two, they, they can't get the push. So I think Steven Anderson, you just hope that he continues his touchdown streak uh, owned in 0% of Yahoo league. So he is available. <laughs> he just is mingle. ready to mingle. Jordan, who do you have as a waiver wire target for people? This this guy is owned in quite a bit of fantasy leagues, about 40% uh, in ESPN leagues. I've had him on one of my deep dynasty uh, teams because uh, I have like five tight ends in that league that I play consistently. Uh, but Tyler Croft, uh, the Bengals tight end, he's been actually getting a lot of good looks, uh, I guess, when it's not going to A.J. Green, it's going to Tyler Croft in the passing game. You can't really rely on uh, Brandon LaFell all that much. Um, but in a league where there's literally like four to five good tight ends, uh, sometimes you just got to get as many points as possible, and this guy can get you at least eight. <laughs> I like that, especially if you're looking for someone to stream if you're missing Gronk this week. Uh, Tyler Croft is is an excellent option in that category. Couple more, real quick. We got Peyton Barber owned at six percent. If Doug Martin misses, or if we hear from Tampa Bay that they're going to ride the hot hand and let the second-year man get touches, I think you pick him up, and I think he's an immediate start. And then we got Mike Davis out of Seattle that we just talked about, owned at only nine percent. If you're looking for some running back help, also Aaron Jones who ripped off the twenty-yard game-winning touchdown run, thirty-five percent of Yahoo leagues. No, Jamal Williams is oh, no. no, that's no, that's. <laughs> No. Unless you're Clark and you hope that if no one picks up Aaron Jones, then clearly that means Jamal Williams will be taking all of the touches in Green Bay. It makes sense. Uh, excellent. Well, as always, make sure to subscribe, rate, review on iTunes, RB1 Podcast. You know you love us. You know you can find us. You know you can do these things. Uh, follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Clark at NFL Clark. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. Uh, We'll be back at you Thursday to talk all about week 14. And until then, have a good week. Like out there.